This podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. Our Stripes acknowledges the traditional owners of the land and pay our respect to elders past, present and emerging. Connection to our culture, our voice will be heard. Strength of our ancestors' spirit will surge. change is on the Stripes, a podcast of the Richmond Football Club celebrating the many and varied strips that make up the mighty yellow and black. Tiffany Cherry with you alongside my co-host Rana Hussain. Hi Tiff. Great to, great to be here yet yes. again for another edition. Very excited about today's chat. Today we've got two of our KGI leaders from uh, the Aboriginal community, Jess Bennett and Matt Muir. Welcome guys. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Uh, now, I'm going to start with you, Jess. <laughs> Welcome along. I wanted to ask you, first of all, uh, when did you get involved with the Corangamaji Institute? So I got involved um, in KGI when I was about 14 years old. A teacher of mine just said, do you want to go to Richmond for the week? And I loved AFL, so I was keen. I had no idea what I was in for. But yeah, when I was 14, I just kept coming along ever since then. So for people not listening, the KGI is? The KGI is the Kurungamaji Institute um, and they run leadership programs for Indigenous youth sort of aged 14 to 18 but we're also um, improving our programs to reach our alumni who are a bit older. So what did you get out of it as a 14-year-old and now, Jess? When I was a 14-year-old I had no idea what it meant to be an Aboriginal person. Um, I was really ashamed of my identity. Kids sort of you know, always ask, how can you be Aboriginal when you've got, you know, blonde hair, fair skin? But Richmond and KGI for me sort of taught me what it was to be an Aboriginal person um, today and what it means to learn culture and share culture when you haven't grown up with it sometimes. And what is it for you to be an Aboriginal woman? For me to be an Aboriginal woman, it's such a hard question because it sort of comes down to the roots of my identity, which is what I've loved to be able to explore as I've grown up at KGI with, but um, I can't put it into words. For me, it's connection to the country where I've grown up, connection to the country where I'm from, but also the connection to the country that Richmond sits on um, of the Wanderer people. And where did you grow up, Jess? Uh, so I grew up in Albury, New South Wales. Ah, oh, near my neck of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your mob. Uh, so I'm a proud Ngunnawal woman, which is from Yass. Yeah. Ah, beautiful. And do you know your totem? No, I don't know my totem. I wish I did. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the search. Definitely. We're from the Mission Hollywood, which is I find really funny because it's <laughs> definitely not Hollywood living <laughs> on the mission. But um, I know it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Why is it called Hollywood? I have no idea, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt, you, so tell me first, where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Tatura, which is a small country town just about 20 minutes out of Shepparton. Uh, for anyone that knows that, yeah. And when did you first engage with the KGI? Uh, similar to Jess, I was probably 14 years old. Uh, that was back in 2013. Uh, they were running similar programs and my teacher sort of um, enrolled me to get involved in KGI. So, yeah, went down to Richmond. I'm a big Richmond supporter as well, so that helped a fair bit um, just to get involved in that. So, yeah. What was the experience like for you when you first stepped in the door? Um, it was a bit daunting um, as soon as I came in because you're coming into like an AFL club. So I walked in here, didn't really know anyone and then 
yeah, as soon as you went in, you just realised, oh, I'm one of 30, 35 people that are in the same situation. So, yeah, you just sort of get to know everybody on the first day and then it's just, yeah, just having a good time after that. So. Matt, did you grow up with much Aboriginal culture around you? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, especially around the Shepparton area, um, a high percentage of uh, the high schools had um, Indigenous students in it. So I was... Um, pretty um, involved in that aspect of it um, did traditional dancing from when I was uh, 13 starting in high school so yeah out, especially around the Shepherd and Maroopna area um, there's a lot of Indigenous people around there so yeah. Uh, so can you take us through what uh, the programs are like because there's some of them are on site some of them are off on country. Jess do you want to take us through program? Yeah, so we run the Richmond Emerging Aboriginal Leadership Program, which was started up in 2011 by Belinda Duarte and Luke Murray. Um, and from there, it's evolved into this massive cohort of alumni that have all done all forms of real camp. So we run Real Connect, which is sort of one-off programs that we do in communities, but also here. And the next stage is Real Determined, which is sort of our primary program where we take kids away for the week, um, sometimes onto country out at um, Gundawindi, and we do leadership exercises, public speaking, we explore, explore culture and identity and what that means for young people and that's just our favourite program, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, Real Determined um, is probably the one where we have a bit more fun <laughs> and then we have Real Impact, which is based around our career development, um, university stuff, um, sort of establishing pathways for our youth to um, look at long-term um, career or education-based um, mm. aspirations. So. Have both of you noticed through your journey a change in the young people of today and, and the talk, the speak? Because I know when I was probably your age and I was around Aboriginal people, there was uh, my age, there was a, um, a lot of uh, shame, you know, people, Aboriginal um, youth not wanting to speak out or be recognised, noticed. But I'm finding that that's really changing. That's my my personal experience. How yeah. about how is it for you guys? Oh, definitely. Like um, us working here, uh, even as participants in 2013, you see a lot more involvement from the youth. A lot more kids actually asking instead of being nominated, they're actually asking to come on camps, which is really good to see. And then when they're on camps, they're just giving everything they've got. They don't. They're not, as you say, shame uh, to come here. They just get involved, and then they they're really excited to just sort of connect with other Indigenous youth, which, yeah, it's unbelievable to see. Well, we actually enforce a rule when we're on the programs. If any person says shame, we have to do 10 push-ups. Like, it's a, a no word for the week, which is really good for yeah, us because awesome. everything that we do is just about eliminating that shame and eliminating those things that hold Indigenous people back because, like you say, we are working towards a future where our young people can take over those roles of leadership organisations and we're just trying to build that sort of that cohort of young people today, but it's definitely changing. I want to talk about a small example of that. Uh, listeners would have just heard the intro to this episode, which is a song that KGI participants came up with, wrote themselves, uh, came up with all the lyrics and music. Can you tell us a bit about it? Because it's such an amazing song. People can listen to it on YouTube. But tell us a bit about that process and how that came about. Definitely. So we filmed it last year on one of our Real Determined programs out at Gundawindi, actually. Um, and it involved the uh, return participants, but also some of the first-time participants working with the Indigenous Hip Hop Projects to create a song around um, healthy lifestyle and what it means to be yeah, a young Aboriginal person. And they wrote and produced that, did some 
dance moves on the day. And yeah, it's been made into a music video now, which is on YouTube, which you can search up. I think it's how many hits? Well, it's got a few thousand. The kids hit it up every few weeks. They yeah, love listening to their own voices. I reckon voices. most of the views are probably the kids just watching it over and over again. But we need to get one of the big name artists to re- you know, to retweet it or, get, or do something with it and just watch it go viral. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys have gone from becoming, from starting as participants to becoming leaders. What does it mean to be a leader and what, what, are, your roles, what are your roles entail? Um, for me... Uh, just making that transition from a participant to a leader was uh, big for me. I felt as though I felt obligated to sort of replicate my experience that I had at KGI. So uh, being a leader is just basically sort of making sure, obviously, the kids are doing what they're supposed to do, get involved in the programs, and then just being there as sort of a support system as well. Like myself and Jess, uh, we like to sort of talk to the kids, uh, be able to give them sort of that role model figure that they can talk to sort of off program as well and then so then they can be informed of when we're running other camps other programs and then yeah where we are so yeah I wanted to ask you about the uh, dream time at the G so part of I suppose the whole experience at Richmond is that's a a huge platform for Richmond and obviously also for Essendon what does that Richmond having that um, that game mean to you guys and and, and how much uh, do you think the Aboriginal youth get out of that? Uh, I think they get a lot out of it. Um, for me personally, uh, Richmond, uh, especially the KGI alumni are involved in the Warcry program. Um, a lot of the boys that come through our programs get the opportunity to take part in the Warcry and do that sort of pre-match entertainment, which is a really good opportunity that's been available uh, through Richmond doing the Dreamtime game. And then obviously we've had past participants design the Guernsey for the game. I think it was in 2013 or 2014 that we had uh, past participants doing that. And then obviously that's um, Dreamtime at the G is one of the better opportunities for everyone to sort of come together, uh, which is great. So we have a lot of past participants. You're walking around the G and then you run into 40, 50 kids that you've gone through programs with. So, so it's like a yeah. reunion every yeah. year. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Just on Warcry, you're leading it mm. this year and yeah. you're one of the people on the field performing it. Yeah. Can you take us into that moment, what that's like? Yeah, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, as you said, um, myself and Geordie Edwards uh, are looking after the Warcry this year, so getting past participants in to do the performance and um, I've performed it now for three years, I think, and this will be my fourth. So, yeah, it's just unbelievable. You get there and there's like 85,000 people all watching you and then when you finish it and there's that sort of moment of silence and then the big roar from the crowd. So everybody seems to enjoy it a lot and then the players are starting to get involved as well. So we're very happy with that. Can yeah. you reveal the story behind this year's War Cry? Uh, yeah, so the story behind the War Cry, uh, we look at uh, three elements, sort of the the land, uh, the sky and the uh, sea or the water. Um, um, so there's three elements. Uh, we have the eel, which goes through the water, represents that. We have Bunjil, the eagle, which is seen uh, as the creator for the Wurundjeri people. Um, and then we have the tiger, uh, the Lugunta, as we say. Um, yeah, so those are the three aspects of it. And then we have a little shake a leg in there as well for all the kids to just sort of <laughs> put their own spin on it from their own country. So. And I, I just wanted to ask you, you saw the girls yesterday, the Lugunta's girls, yep. uh, perform the, the women's war cry. Jess, I'm not sure whether you've seen it, but just as a woman, an Aboriginal woman, knowing that women are getting the opportunity to perform 
uh, and show their strength as well as the men. What does that mean to you? Definitely. I think um, I'm still in awe of the power of sport and AFL. Like I've grown up loving AFL, but working in this space and working at Richmond now, like I've just loved it so much more. And um, I'm really passionate about diversity and inclusion within AFL. And I think that's why the women's involvement, even like the Richmond debuting the team in the AFLW next year and I'm just really excited um, that that's all coming to light. It's really good last year we had the Burrumal Girls which is the AFL Vic um, Indigenous Pathway Program into AFL. We had them perform the Richmond's first ever war cry for the girls and this year the Tara's come up with some something new which is really exciting um, so that'll be debuting before the VFLW. And you yeah. play footy too don't you Jen? Yeah I play football. I love football. I play for the Monash Blues and I captain my little team. That's awesome. Yeah. And who inspires you as a, as a player? I think for me, like, Tash Bamblett really inspires me, coming from a small country town and just working so hard to get to where she wants to work, getting herself so fit, but looking after her son and her family and her community obligations. Like, I really look up to her. She's a real role model in our community. And another big thing, Rana, mm. um, is that is Richmond uh, is using the platform of Dreamtime at the G to uh, to partner with the Victorian Treaty Advancement Commission, which is a huge advancement yeah. um, in our entire community, not just for our Aboriginal community. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's complex, but if we can, I want to just try and take everybody through, you know, what treaty is and the mm. processes around it. So. Jess or Matt, I don't know which one of you <laughs> want to take this huge um, question, but what is treaty effectively? That's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much. I think the treaty process at the moment um, is that trying to get a group together to be able to represent um, the traditional owners and custodians of all across Victoria uh, to be able to come up with what a treaty looks like because at this stage we still don't know what it could look like, whether it be one treaty, whether it be many treaties between all the different mobs and clans of Victoria. Um, well, yeah. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I went yeah. to the Treaty for Victoria website <laughs> and they've got uh, Aboriginal people in Victoria have never ceded sovereignty mm -hmm. and have longed called, long called for treaty with government. Australia is one of the only Commonwealth countries that doesn't have a treaty, which is really interesting. You'd think we would have gotten there by now, but mm. um, surprisingly we're one of the only ones that haven't. Uh, and basically that treaty is a necessary... Uh, process to recognise historic wrongs and of course we're talking about the colonisation um, of the First Nations people long ago. Uh, it's, it's so much and it's very kind of politics heavy. What does it mean to you both in a real sense? I mean I can imagine that it's quite a lot to take on. Definitely. Um, I think it's, yeah, as Jess said, it's a pretty complex thing especially because of the different mobs, clans, tribes, all that uh, in Victoria, it makes it very difficult to have everybody's voice from all these different opinions sort of coming together as one. So I think uh, with treaty, um, it'll be very interesting to see where it goes from here, but it's always a great step to um, establish it and yeah, mm. sort of work from it. And for our listeners, you'll see it on the Guernsey this yes. year, the Dreamtime yep. Guernsey. Yep. Another interesting thing that I got from the website is this sentence which says, treaty is basically an opportunity to recast the relationship between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal Victorians. What are your thoughts on that, Jess? I think it's a really exciting opportunity. I think that Victoria is really ahead of the game in this space in Australia, which is, makes me really proud to live in Victoria now. Um, 
And I think it's a real opportunity for reconciliation. I think treaty is going to be hard, but it's happening. So, you know, we should just get behind it and um, so celebrate the good things and the positives that are going to come from the process. It's really about moving forward together, isn't it? Mm. Reconciling how our country kind of came up after colonisation and understanding that there was many thousands of years of inhabitants before that and really coming together and forging a path Definitely. forward. What does that look like or mean to you in a real way? I think it's great, um, especially because it's, it's just creating the conversation around it. Um, it's creating a conversation, people are asking questions and then they're getting educated when they ask those questions. So for Richmond to get behind it, especially on one of the biggest stages in the AFL calendar at Dreamtime with the G, I think it's unbelievable. Just in, just in the fact that people are going to start asking about, oh, well, what is a treaty? Um, what does that entail? And then, like, what happens from here? So I think it's very good that, um, yeah, both Richmond and Essendon have gone behind it. But. I was going to ask you, have you noticed amongst your friends, your non uh, in non-Aboriginal friends, that they're, the conversation is growing, is uh, be- they're becoming curious or even more so about um, the relationship and what treaty means and what it and what it will mean to everyone. Definitely, yeah. Um, as I study as well, so a lot of the uh, people at university are sort of coming up and asking me. Or, um, sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but like, what is treaty? And so it gives you an opportunity to sort of educate one sort of mm. one person at a time. But yeah, with a large scale such as Dreamtime at the G, I think it'll just just enhance it a bit more. And yeah, um, I was going to say like for that that um, as well has really come up in my life. Dreamtime at the G is a huge platform, and it um, gets people talking about Indigenous issues. So at my club, there's not many Indigenous players, but my coach messaged me yesterday and he said. What can we do for Dreamtime? I'd love to get involved. By the way, what's treaty? What's this mean? And it's just really exciting to know that non-Indigenous people like genuinely want to know and want to get involved. Um, it's really exciting to see that happening. Mm. I just want to um, read something out. Recently, um, the club, along with 12 other organisations who have an Elevate Wrap, um, which is a reconciliation action plan, have gotten behind um, the Uluru Statement. Um, for people who don't know, what is the Uluru Statement? Um, so in 2017, Indigenous leaders and elders from all across Australia um, got together in Alice Springs, um, but then moved to, to Uluru, and they um, talked about what they want sort of constitutional recognition to look like if that was to happen, if a treaty was to happen. They sort of wanted to talk about um, how Indigenous Australians can get a voice um, at the government level. Yeah, it, part of the statement said that we seek constitutional reform to empower our people and take a rightful place in our own country. When we have power over our destiny, our children will flourish. They will walk in two worlds and their culture will be a gift to their country. We call for the establishment of a First Nations voice enshrined in the constitution. So that's effectively what it was. Um, But just really interestingly, and I mean, it's interesting to me, uh, yeah, like I said, 13 organisations came together to really get behind that statement and that pursuit. Um, And it's just quite lovely. Um, If it's all right, I want to read it out. Uh, It starts, we represent 13 diverse organisations across a range of sectors. 
Collectively, we educate, employ and provide services to people all across all of Australia. Together, we make this response to the Uluru Statement from the heart. Thank you for your invitation to walk with you in a movement of all Australian people for a better future. We recognise the Uluru Statement from the heart as a historic mandate to create a fuller expression of Australia's nationhood. We hear your call for the establishment of a First Nations voice enshrined in the Constitution and for a referendum to amend the Constitution accordingly. We hear your call for a Makarata Commission to, to supervise a process of agreement making between governments and First Nations and truth telling about our history. In a spirit of reconciliation, we look forward to working with and supporting you as a matter of national priority to develop and enact specific proposals in relation to voice, treaty and truth. We call upon our people, industry, colleagues and fellow Australians to join us in this important national dialogue. So listening to that and, and maybe even with that aside... Do you, either of you, have ambitions, political ambitions? Do you want to continue to drive the advancement of the Aboriginal people within Australia? Oh, yeah, of course, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, me personally, um, I don't sort of do the whole political stuff. I'm studying architecture. So for me, um, just being able to sort of progress just with my studies, anything like that, and look at the sort of advancement of Indigenous youth especially. Um, especially with KGI, you see so many young kids that are eager to make change, eager to get involved, and it's just, yeah, it's an unbelievable thing to actually experience that. So, What about for you, Jess? What, what ambitions do you have? Uh, well, for me, I shoot high. I'd love to be um, an Indigenous barrister one day. I'm really passionate about working with young people. Like, I really think they're the key to our future and to changing all of the conditions that... Um, we don't want around today. Um, yeah, so I'd love to become Indigenous barrister. I would love to work in the children's court, the career court, and just provide a bit more of a therapeutic jurisprudence lens to how the law works around Indigenous people. But in that, Matt and I are so passionate about uh, equipping our young people to have those careers and um, give them the futures that we hope to see. So some really, really exciting times ahead and just sitting here, I'm so inspired sitting next to the two of you. I want to for a moment um, reflect part of uh, the podcast that, that we do for every, every one of them. Um, we ask the question of our guests to think about a, a picture that uh, is really reflective of them and, and their family and their history. It might be your favourite picture that you have beside your bed or one that is at your parents' home or perhaps even one in your mind that's actually not a physical um, picture as such. Could you share that picture with us? Whoever wants to go first. I'll go first. I've been thinking about it a little bit and I think the photo for me was taken years and years ago. I think I was like six. I have a younger sister. She was probably like four. My little baby brother was two. Um, when I was younger, we didn't really watch TV. We weren't inside very often. We were always outside playing and camping and hiking and we loved fishing growing up. So the photo for me is um, my little baby brother sitting in a tree and my sister <laughs> and I standing with mum and dad and we're, we've just taken the photo in front of a tree like randomly at a campsite. But for me that really represents my childhood, where I come from and why I'm going to where I want to now. Mm, awesome. Beautiful. Very powerful. Yeah. Um, one for me was taken recently actually. Uh, 
it was the so I was fortunate enough to be involved with the NRL war cry as well um, and me and my younger brother actually uh, did it together and yeah it was a photo of me him my older brother and then my mum as well so yeah that was a pretty big thing for me because it was the first time I've done like any sort of traditional dance or anything with my sibling so yeah it was a pretty special thing for mm-hmm. me that was the first sort of photo that came to mind for me mm. so and you have a tattoo of bundle is that bundle is that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah on your arm so yeah. you keep it very close ah uh, yeah definitely yeah especially yeah just being here um working with kgi i think is an unbelievable thing being able to inspire uh, young indigenous people and just sort of being able to represent my culture in any way possible is yeah a really important thing to me so can i ask i want to hear from both of you What's your favourite part of culture and, and what has it given you on a personal level? Tough question, I know. Very tough question. I think for me it's a sense of community, um, literally anywhere. So I've um, originally Wiradjuri, um, grew up on Yorta Yorta country. I'm currently living on Wurundjeri country. So it's just being feeling at home really wherever you go um i've got connections with kgi you go all around victoria you meet young people you meet elders and they all just have this sense of welcome um you just walk into a place and you just yeah i I can't explain it like i can't put it into words how i feel but yeah it's just being sort of accepted wherever you go i think is yeah Mm. it's the first thing Definitely. I think the community aspect is really important for me. I think there's a Jim Carrey quote, and I can't remember what it is, but it's more about um, I don't want to be one of those people that just wakes up, eats, goes to work and sleeps. Like I really want to find out what life is about and um, make those relationships and connections with community. And I think being involved um, in Richmond and KGI, but definitely just with culture more broadly gives me that. It sort of fulfills me beyond a level that you can describe and just being able to work with our young people to be able to work with our elders that yeah just fills me Mm. I'm just I'm sitting here in awe Um, yeah yeah, it's a pretty amazing and amazing to hear both of you speak um you know two young members of our society but uh but um you are inspirational and and it's so wonderful to through your eyes get a look into uh, the KGI, Coron um, Gamaji Institute and the, and the programs that come out of there. And, and obviously you're two living, breathing, um, you know, results of, of what we can actually do when we get together and, and we, we care and as a community, you know, we, we put time and effort into um, caring about each other. So congratulations and, and I wish you both all the absolute very best. And um, can't wait to watch you strut your stuff uh, oh, yeah. out there on the G. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it should be a good time. Uh, just dream time in general. Should just be a great game. Hopefully Richmond win. Uh, <laughs> that'll be the best result. But yeah. Thanks to Matt and Jess from the KGI for coming in today. That's it for our stripes. Uh, stay tuned to the website, iTunes, and Spotify for the next our stripes episode. Good change is on the-